Good morning, church. I know, I know. You're expecting a young, tall, good-looking guy, and you got, you got the same old, short, homely guy. We're going to try to remedy that here toward the end of the hour. A very important vote coming up at the end of the hour. Let's take some time this morning and spend in the precious Word of God. Uh, we're still looking at the seven churches and hearing what Jesus has to say to us through them. Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 18 this morning. We're going to be looking at the church in Thyatira. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the Son of God, the one whose eyes are like fiery flame, whose feet are like fine bronze, says, I know your works, your love, faithfulness, servants, and endurance. Your last are greater than your first. But I have this against you. You tolerate, that word comes right out of the news, doesn't it? You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my slaves to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look. I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her practices. I will kill her children with a plague. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts and I will give to each of you according to your works. I say to the rest of you at Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, in other words, her teaching, who haven't known the deep thoughts of Satan, as they say. I have not put any other burden on you. But hold on to what you have until I come. The victor and the one who keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. And he will shepherd them by his iron scepter, and he will shatter them like pottery. Just as I have received this from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I'll point out in just a moment. But Jesus here is talking about the growing church. Using the church of Thyatira as our model, since we want to be a growing church, not just in numbers, although I believe that's coming, but also in other very important ways, since we want to be a growing church, let's look at Thyatira as our model. To begin, a growing church will develop the right things. In verse 19, Jesus compliments the Christians at Thyatira, for four things. We'll look at those. And then at the end of the verse, he says they're doing a better job now at those four things than they were before. In other words, they're developing. They're growing. They're improving in these four areas. That's why we're looking at them. 
One thing is they were developing in their love. Let me say this. The heart that is cleansed of guilt, the heart that is cleansed of sin by the forgiving power of Christ Jesus is a heart that's free to love and to appreciate each other without remorse, without hindrance. On August 27th of 2020, I had heart surgery, open heart surgery. Um, my aortic heart valve had begun accumulating bacteria. It, it had begun accumulating growth and had begun spewing that stuff all over my body to my spleen. It ruined my spleen, which, praise God, you don't need, apparently. I, I'm doing okay, so I guess you don't need a spleen. It spewed all that stuff into my legs. They had to go in and clean all that stuff out of, out of my legs. So they replaced that heart valve with a bioprosthetic aortic heart valve, fashioned from the heart sac of Bevo, or from the heart sac of a young calf. <laughs> and now my heart is clean. Now I'm not spewing stuff all over my body. I've been really, my heart's been cleansed. Because the church Thyatira had trusted and followed Jesus, they had received clean and healthy hearts. No longer spewing off bitterness and jealousy and slander and arguing, which is always indication of a cluttered and sinful heart. They were free now to love each other, free to care for each other without hindrance. And Jesus noticed it. Second, they were developing in their faith. I think it's interesting that love for others that we just mentioned and faith in Jesus are two of the qualities that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says we carry with us on into eternity and throughout eternity. Faith and love. That's what Thyatira was doing. In a crude sort of way, faith is to the Christian what radar is to a bat. A bat is a mammal just like all other mammals, but it does not depend on its eyesight to navigate its way through the dark nights. It's developed a high sense of radar that it relies on more so than its eyes. I said, to navigate it through the darkness of night. Well, in a similar fashion, Christians are human, just like all other humans. But Christians don't depend so exclusively on their eyesight to navigate through the difficult times of night. Christians are developing a highly developed sense of faith to navigate through the difficult times of life. Jesus, Jesus notices that, compliments them for it. Third and fourth, they were developing in their service and they were developing in their endurance. These two go hand in hand. 
Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we were saved in order to serve. James chapter 2, verse 14 says that if a person doesn't like serving, he's likely not saved. And then Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 tells us that we're not to grow weary in serving others. We're to endure in serving others. When I first came into the ministry, I went to a church up in North Texas, First Baptist Church, Collinsville. Uh, they averaged about 130 in attendance. So I was the only full-time staff person. Anything was going to be done, I had to do it. So I'd never done Bible school before, but I thought, okay, I can do this. I mean, what's the Bible school? <laughs> you know, you get 60, 65, 70 kids. Who can handle that? Oh, man. I'm telling you what. It, 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 was, it was stressful for me. And by Thursday, I was, I was wrung out. And, and I, I, guess, I guess that stress was showing on my face because there was a fourth grade boy who said, hey, preacher, you ever think about quitting this job and getting another one? <laughs> Today, yeah, I'm thinking about doing it. So in, endurance is a struggle for us. Any Christian, Jesus says, any Christian who's enduring, hanging in there, he applauds them. Any church who's hanging in there in service to the community, Jesus notices that, and he's saying, hang in there, hold on. Hang in there. Love, faith, service, endurance. They were, in, they were developing these things in Thyatira. Jesus points them out, and we want to notice that also. Here's the other side of that coin. Forbid the wrong things. Jesus says in verse 20, but I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel. See, we've come, we're told to tolerate the same thing as love. No, 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 no. What we're suggesting here, there are some things we are not to tolerate. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. Jezebel, of course, was the wife of Ahab who was the king of Israel. As documented beginning in 1 Kings chapter 16, Verse 29, in her influential role as queen, Jezebel promoted the worship of a Canaanite god named Baal. Her name, the name Jezebel, came to represent any woman who led people of God astray. Evidently, there was just such a woman in the church there at Thyatira, a wolf in sheep's clothing. She claimed to have the gift of prophecy. But she was actually influencing people away from God, into worldliness and immorality. Jesus speaks harshly against her. He speaks harshly against her followers, but not against the church. The only thing Jesus is saying to the church among all the harsh language is, you should not be allowing this to continue. You should not be tolerating this. Some things are to be forbidden. 
We had a woman join our church in Pflugerville years ago. She began attending our women's ministry events, a regular to women's Bible studies, natural leader, natural born leader. We asked her to head up our women's ministry. I had just or was just finishing a year-long study of the book of Romans. It took a year to work through the entire, to preach through the entire book. Uh, and she was involved in some of these women's studies. Uh, we asked her to hit up our women's ministry. Right at that time, I began preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, as documented in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. She made an appointment, came by to see me. She said, Pastor, I have a real problem with your preaching. Whoa, I... Tell me about it. What do, you, what do you not like? She said, well, you're preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, it's, it's in the Bible. And she said, I have a struggle with that because I am a Pauline dispensationalist. And I said, I don't know what that is. She said, as a Pauline dispensationalist, we believe the letters of Paul are written to the church, and the church is to follow and only follow the letters of Paul. All the other writings in the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, are aimed just at the Jews. The Sermon on the Mount is aimed just at the Jews. I said, I am, I am so sorry. We have made a terrible mistake. <laughs> I have to ask you, as gently as I possibly can to step down from your leadership role in leading our women. And my suggestion to you is to leave this church and find another church who believes the way you are because we are not and never will be Pauline dispensationalists. Two things to be noted here in our passage. First, doctrinal disagreement should not remain in the church. This woman in Thyatira claimed to be a prophetess, a teacher of sort. Some there at the church may well have said, look, she just doesn't believe the way we believe. What? There's no big deal. Let her stay. Listen, she needed to leave, folks. She needed to leave. Jesus told them, don't tolerate her. Why? Because doctrinal agreement is one of the things that defines a church. That's one of the things that holds us together is our doctrinal agreement. Any person who does not believe the way we believe should not stay and try to change us. They should just leave and go down the street and find a church that believes the way they believe. Our doctrinal beliefs are one of the things that holds us together as a congregation. Jesus says in John 13, 34, that our oneness is our witness. Our unity as a body of believers is the only proof to the world that we're truly his followers. Doctrinal agreement, essential for church fellowship. 
And second, and the most prominent here in our passage is unrepentant sin should not remain in the church. This woman Thyatira was openly sinning, influencing others to sin. She refused to repent of her sin. Jesus says in verse 20, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent. She's been given plenty of chances, Jesus says. I've dealt with her redemptively. I've dealt with her sweetly. She will not repent of her sin. She's been given every chance. Don't tolerate her any longer. Withdraw fellowship from her. And you say, oh, that sounds so mean. It's not. Jesus says, if we're to remain a church, a growing church, a church in his pleasure, we must withdraw fellowship from those in our midst who are openly sinning and will not repent and come back. Develop the right things. Forbid the right things. And here's one last thing. Hold on in all things. Verse 24, Jesus says, I say to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching or her teachings, who haven't known the deep things of Satan, as they say, I do not put any other burden on you, but, listen to this, hold on to what you have until I come. Hang in there. An outstanding characteristic there at Thyatira was the large number of trade guilds that flourished there. Archaeological inscriptions tell us that there were wool workers, linen workers, makers of outer garments, dyers, in other words, people who dyed material for clothing, leather workers, tanners, potters, bakers, and bronze smiths. Those are all documented. Oftentimes, participating in pagan religious practices became part of the criteria for membership in these guilds. So Christians were tempted to let go of their Christian convictions in order to avoid social isolation and economic hardship. All Jesus is saying to them is, no matter what happens, hold on. Remember who you belong to. Don't give in to the pressure. Conservative, Bible-believing Christians there in Thyatira, Jesus is saying, hold on, don't give it up. Culture is going to put pressure on you. Don't let go. Don't stop. Don't back away. Hold on. Hang in there with your Christian convictions. On July 4th, 1952, Florence Chadwick waded into the water off Catalina Island and began the 21-mile swim to mainland California. If she completed the challenge, she'd be the first woman ever to swim from Catalina to mainline California. Water was ice cold, apparently. Fog was so heavy like it is today, she could hardly see the boats in her own party. Sharks often came so close, had to be driven off with rifles. After 15 hours in the water, numbed with cold, Florence asked to be pulled out of the water. She was only a half a mile from California, half a mile from land. She later told a reporter, and I quote, Look, I'm not excusing myself, she said, but if I could have just seen the land 
I might have made it. Almost there. If she could have just held on a little bit longer, she'd have made it. Just a little bit longer. In verse 26, Jesus says, The victor and the one who keeps my works till the end, I will give him authority over the nations. That's quite a prize for just holding on, isn't it? You want to say, wow, Lord, that's great. Look at verse 28. I will also give him the morning star. The morning star, see, the morning star always announces the coming of the new day. You can always see the morning star and know the new day was just about to come. Jesus is saying the eternal day is just about to dawn. Look, there's the morning star. Hang on just a little bit longer and the new day will dawn. The new eternal day will dawn. Jesus is saying to those of us accumulated here today, you know, I know, I know it's rough. I know it's tough. I know you're under a lot of pressure to give up, but it's almost time for the Lord to come back. It's almost time for the new day to dawn. Hang on. Hang in there. Stay tough just a little bit longer, and it'll all be worth it. It'll all be worth it. Hold on in all things to the church at First Baptist Wimberley. Jesus says, oh, you've been through a lot. As difficulties go as a church, you've been through the ringer. Don't give up. Hold on a little longer. Don't stop. Don't back up. Hang in there just a little longer. The day is about to dawn for you. You have great, great days ahead of you. You look back on this day as the day we began anew and afresh on that day. The morning star dawned. Now today we're going to vote on a new, young, (laughs) good-looking, theologically rock-solid pastor. Aaron Collier, beginning of a new day. At 10.30 sharp, we're going to open our business meeting. And I'll explain more to you about that in just a moment. But for right now, if you're comfortable with this, I want to ask you to come to the front and stand here and pray with me for this day and what we're going to do in this day here in just a few moments. Just stand up wherever you are. If you're comfortable with this, come on here to the front. Let's accumulate right down here at the stage. Now, I had a professor one time tell me, you know what, Steve, I'm not comfortable with holding hands with other people in church. I'm just not comfortable with it. (laughs) If you're not comfortable with holding hands, that's okay. But if you're comfortable with it, grab the hand of somebody right near you there. You are a koinonia. You are the fellowship at First Baptist Wimberley. You're the family at First Baptist Wimberley. We're going to pray and praying. We're going to close this worship service. 
And this is going to be the opening prayer, although we're not going to be uh, called to order yet for the business meeting to come. Are we ready? We're about to go into the throne room. We're about to go before the Father of eternity. The God of this world and every world. We're about to go before the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're about to make an appeal before him. Ready yourself. Ready your heart. Pray with me. Lord and Savior, in the quiet of this moment, as we enter into your throne room, we stand in awe of you. We recognize, Lord Jesus, you've been from the beginning and will be till the end. You are the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the author of all things. You're the author of our lives. You imagined us, you loved the thought of us, and you created us in keeping with your thought. Those of us accumulated here today, we've turned to you and we've trusted you. We've turned our back on, on the leadership of the culture and we've turned ourselves to you. We accumulate here this morning, we assemble here this morning as the fellowship at First Baptist Church, Wimberley. We come before you praising you, thanking you for all your many blessings you rain down upon us as individuals and as a fellowship of believers. We enter into a holy time. We are about to elect our next shepherd. We believe you've prepared the heart of the shepherd you're bringing to First Baptist Wimberley. You've equipped him and trained him and given him experiences that he needs and will need to lead us. Working through many of us here, you have led us to a man. We will determine this morning by following your Holy, your Holy Spirit and, and voting in keeping with that leadership. We'll vote on whether, whether or not Aaron Collier is that man. Lead us, O King Eternal. Touch every heart, every life. Guide us now in this all so important time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.